Digicom Weekly Growth Marketing Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Digicom Podcast. Uh, today, I am here with Vinay and Shristi from the Digicom team. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and follow all of our different socials to be up to date with our latest news. Today, you know, we're going to talk a lot about your numbers. Um, we're going to talk about different metrics that are really important for us to look at in terms of, you know, your average order value, what people are spending, uh, your margins, your return on ad spend. We're also going to take a look at, you know, why return on ad spend isn't always an absolute measure of profitability. Just because you're, you know, driving a positive ROAS doesn't mean you are profitable. Um, we're going to talk about different strategies to increase sales and revenue, ways to bring down your costs and improve your efficiencies. Uh, we're going to look at LTV and customer retention. And then uh, lastly, we're going to look at, obviously, with all these different changes, what do we optimize first? So to begin with, if you're running an e-commerce business, the most important thing there is to know your numbers, to know, you know, the average order value of your products, the profit margins and the ROAS that you, you know, should be looking or targeting at whatever you're spending or whatever costs that you are incurring, you should always know, uh, you know, how much can you go there, like how much you can spend or how much return are you expecting or you should have to set your targets before you start any any sort of spend there. All right. So talking about numbers as as an e-com uh, business owner, uh, Mikey, I, I think most of uh, the listeners or viewers would know what AOE is, what ROAS is, but can you help us quickly glance through, you know, what these are and how are they important to an e-com business? Sure. Yeah. So looking at AOV, that stands for average order value. So that essentially is what users are spending on each purchase. I know a lot of uh, e-com brands, when we are marketing on a particular platform, let's say Facebook or Google, we're looking at your cost per acquisition. We're trying to bring that number down. But at the end of the day, when we're trying to see how much revenue we're driving, what's really important is your average order value. Um, there's a huge opportunity to improve your profit margin with average order value with different tactics, which we will get into a little bit different. Um, but we're always trying to bring that um, number to the highest point that we possibly can, getting users to spend the most on our site with each particular purchase. Awesome. ROAS, I, I think it's also you know closely connected, not just thing, but it, it is. Um, the higher you can make someone spend on the website, the more ROAS you can get, and, and that's just absolute return on ad spend. So um, most of the optimizations, and I, I, I would probably say amongst a lot of optimizations that anybody sh- should do or would do on their websites, increasing AOV is like one of those that can move the lead needle a lot, and uh, very few business owners really step on that side. The usual suggestions on improving um, AOVs could be, you know, adding in upsells, but there's there's also some key mistakes that we're going to talk about, but that's, that's ROAS. Now, one important perspective that we have for ROAS is while everybody kind of talks about, you know, getting a 2x, 3x, 4x ROAS and set that as a parameter of success. ROAS is not always that, you know, yardstick that you should measure the performance by. It is definitely a KPI. It can definitely uh, lead you in a direction where you know whether you're performing well or not. But there's also a different perspective that we'd like to share. And we use a, a simple calculator built out. That's an exercise we do with every business that we onboard just to figure out what might 
margins we have. And then before we start, the one question that we absolutely need answered is what is your break-even ROAS and as a business? And then what would it take to make you profitable? And that's never ambiguous when we are working with any of our clients. So I would like to show a, a calculator uh, just showing that how ROAS is, is not such a big deal if you know your numbers, right? So let's take a look at that. So yes, um, what you see on the screen is our basic calculator. What it really does is we pick out probably a product or a range of product that um, our businesses really want to push. And then on the left side here, what you see is the basic costs and uh, the fees that are associated with selling a product. And we have the AOV field here. On the right, there are some fixed costs. Usually these are, you know, credit card processing fee, the merchant fee, something that Shopify would charge you, your shipping costs, and more importantly, the, the product cost. What is it that you're paying to, to the manufacturer if you're building your products yourself? Or what is the cost there? And these are really important to, you know, as a business, you should know these. But once you do and you enter them, this, this cool calculator kind of spits out these values here. The most important ones that we're looking at and, and again, pointing to the fact that ROAS is not the yardstick that you should measure, like an absolute one, is if you have a $100 product and these are standard fees that we've uh, input, one thing that you'd note is the product cost here is $30. The moment you run these numbers, you would figure out that with a $100 AOV, your break-even ROAS is 1.63. That means that if you are as a business or as an agency able to hit a 1.63, you will be able to break even. And then just for the sake of you know clarity as well as future goals, you know that if you had to operate at a 15 or a 20% margin, these are the numbers that you will have to hit. If you are as a business able to manufacture or acquire your products from, um, you know, at a better cost and let's say this $100 product that we are selling on the website would cost you $10 now the break-even ROAS would also change so earlier you were targeting a 1.63 but now you would be able to achieve the same break-even at a 1.23 if your AOV is is constant and that's super important for any e-com business and an agency when we're trying to run ads having those numbers in absolutes is the most important thing and um Yep. I mean, that's that's the way we'd like to take a look at that. Mikey, you, you'd like to add anything here? No, I think the way you broke this down makes a lot of sense. And it's important to understand that just because, you know, a one ROAS doesn't mean we're breaking even. There's a bunch of additional costs that need to be taken into consideration um, aside from just the, the media spend that we're putting into our ads. So I think you broke that down really well. And I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of brands that really don't take that into consideration. And especially when you're scaling on, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and more, it's, those numbers just continue to get greater and greater. So it's important to look at. Right. Absolutely. So uh, talking about more strategies to increasing sales and revenue, the first one and the most obvious one is the effective ways to optimize your website, especially um, conversion rate optimization, CRO. Shristi, would you like to share your thoughts on that? Sure. So conversion uh, rate optimization uh, is nothing but the amount or the percentage of people that are converting after they come to your website, right? So like you can get people to visit your website, you can get traffic on your website, but if the conversion rate is low, then you're missing out on something there. So it's very important that, you know, you follow a few steps or a few rules or whenever you're creating an e-commerce website, like for example, you're a 
so most of the e-commerce uh, purchases happen on a mobile phone so if your website is not optimized for a mobile then people might not you know be able to, it might not be that easy to go through and it won't be very swift so people might just drop off the website so it's very important to have that optimized then uh, another thing that you can do is have the product images really clear so that they're able to understand and you know make a faster purchase and they are getting whatever they're looking for right there and then and uh, another thing that you can do is probably have the reviews set up there on the product page you know have them very clear and uh, have pictures put up there so that people have you know it just builds trust in them before they make uh, make any purchase so that you know it makes again it it makes it easier for them to just go ahead and just buy it there and then uh so like all of these things they help you in improving the conversion rate of the customers whenever they come to your website uh, another way to increase sales and revenue is upselling and cross selling uh, products uh, which is basically just whenever a person is adding something to their cart you can probably suggest two other things that you know go with that like if you're selling a pair of jeans or uh, maybe you can have a pair of shoes that can go with them or just some accessories that can go with them they'll help in increasing the average order value altogether right um taking a step back before we discuss uh, upsells and cross sells you mentioned reviews and i think as obvious as it seems the the way reviews are utilized are also not in the best way that we we run a bunch of audits and uh, a lot of times you'll see that the reviews are buried like at the bottom of the page and if you run some sort of um, you know website with you know clarity tool like microsoft clarity or you know any any other tool for that matter you would see that about i i would probably say less than 30% of the customers really scroll all the way down to to the page so the very first thing is that not enough people are really seeing your uh, reviews second thing that we've observed is even if the reviews are down at the bottom the the amount of reviews and the star ratings can always be put right below the the uh, name of the product we see that missing all the time uh, that's one change that we suggest um, every store does because it's easier for a person to just take a mental note and see okay there are 500 4.5 rating and 500 reviews that gives them in gives the brand an instant boost in in credibility and trust so that's that's one and a cool case study that we remember of one of the clients that we worked with was they had text reviews on and and their product was uh, something that could be demonstrated really well we helped them you know switch that around we integrated a tool that people could post their pictures and and reviews there and you know within applying that within a month they they saw more than like a 1.2 to 1.5% increase in their conversion rate because people were able to actually see how the product look feels and and there were genuine reviews there so i i think that's that's one area that again underutilized but can really make a huge difference on on the conversion rate and your overall revenue and sales jumping into upsells and cross sells like uh, shrishti you mentioned making sure that products that are related to the existing product that a customer adds to their basket or their cart um that's helpful in increasing the um average order values also then there there are um a bunch of plugins that you know it's super easy to use on shopify these days where you can add a uh, complementary products there are ai plugins that can automatically suggest if you have thousands of products on your website the um the most sought out combinations based on consumer behavior the plugin can automatically suggest those products and help you boost that one 
important point and, and a mistake that we see happening and that's especially related to upsells that I'd like to talk about and just uh, for the moment switching over to the slide that's right after this we we'll usually see that when somebody implements an upsell let's say um, the main product costs $100 and um, you have maybe you'd like to sell two of the same products um, just to increase the order value but the pricing is is made in such a way that it's you, you'll see that it's not as effective and the conversions don't happen and the reason for that is the pricing it's it's nothing to do with how your product is selling or if whether two versus three will work but the the idea behind that is of when customers have a choice in front of them and they are not able to compare it with anything they do not make a decision in vacuum because all of this is happening in in just a few seconds or minutes where somebody saw your ad on facebook or instagram became interested went to your website added a product to cart and now they just have a few seconds to make that decision and if you're not making it obvious for them to um, analyze whether this purchase is worth you know their money or not then that upsell or that sale does not happen. What you see on the screen is um, a screenshot from a really famous book called Predictably Irrational by Dan Airy. And um, within this book, you'll, you'll find plenty of um, experiments and researches that have been done that really apply to marketing. The screenshot that you see is, I think, from the economist. They, they ran this test where on the left, the first ad that you see on the website that said if you just get the uh, economist.com subscription the online subscription it would cost you $59 and then they had a second option which says if you want to get the print as well as the web subscription you'll have to pay $125 the results that you see on the left about 50% of the people opted in for the economist.com subscription just the web subscription and did not you know really think about getting the print and web the reason is when you have two options in front of you and you're looking at what value would it bring in there's no real comparison it's just that the print and web is more expensive because you're getting two so when your brain makes snap decisions it's looking at one okay this is web subscription i can use it just 59 bucks and i am not like this is not a purchase that's really impacting my life so i have to take a quick decision on the other hand i'm seeing web and print and it's $125. It's pretty much about two, two and a half times more than what I would pay. So let's just try the first one. In the second test, there was something called as a, a decoy pricing that, that was introduced. So the web subscription still costs 59 bucks. But then you see another subscription that's print subscription that's for $125. And then you see a print and web subscription $125. Now, a lot of people did think that this was like a price, like a printing mistake, or, or, um, you know, they, the, the people who put up this ad made some mistake in, in putting up the price. But there are, other models where um, similar researches were conducted. So now when somebody looks at this, the, the offer and they're like $59 for web, but if I only got print, I would still be paying 125 Why not get print and web? Because now I'm getting more value. So there's a point of comparison for the prospect that they can look at something that's, you know, comparable. So print versus a print versus web subscription at the same price. Now I'm getting more value for the same money that I was paying. But in the earlier case, there were no reference point. It was either 59 or 125. So when when you apply the same logic to upsells, a lot of 
upsells that are created would be something like one product $100 and maybe the second product is, you know, $150. Now for, for the prospect there, they, there's no value calculator or there's there's no way for them to really figure out whether that upsell is worth um can they can they opt in will it be valuable so they usually decline the upsell the best way to put in an upsell is to have two options there and have a similar decoy pricing so maybe a, a pack of three could be 200 bucks and then a pack of two could be 190 now there's some reference for the customer that you know even if i had to choose like a a pack of two he has a pack of three that's so much more valuable than the other two and i'm getting more out of the money that i'm spending that completely changes the um conversion rate we've seen on a lot of websites that we've implemented this seeing at least 20 to 30 percent of the people opting in for an upsell uh, versus when you just have one upsell with single pricing uh, the opt-in rates are somewhere between five or seven percent or lower that's one mistake that everybody should avoid in terms of creating upsells and then cross-sells is is just making sure that you have a product that's closely related to the product that somebody's adding to their card or trying to purchase and make sure you can bump up the average order value there next would be using other underutilized uh, marketing channels uh mikey what do you think is um we've worked on so many projects together email marketing messenger are these used enough as bringing in for used for bringing in more revenue uh no definitely not i mean i think we i've worked with a couple of brands now that have really utilized like sms and email to its full potential and surprising at such a cheap cost they're able to drive so much revenue yes the upfront cost of collecting those emails and those sms numbers via facebook instagram does cost a a larger amount you know it is rather expensive depending on your targeting but once you're able to get those users into your funnel email and sms like is extremely cheap and and spamming them with the right promotions, product updates and messaging can be like really a really successful way to to scale your brand. Absolutely. I think we did do a podcast about IG automation and messenger. Check that out. That has also been one of the newer channels that we've worked on and definitely adding more value, especially for e-com stores owners. So so that's something that you should try and implement and, and check out the other podcast for more details. Talking about promotions and sales. Shristi, thoughts, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, like Mikey said, once you have the customer in your funnel, then, you know, promoting these sales, promoting new products, it becomes very easy to get them back on your website and, you know, purchase more. And uh, promotions like uh, giving them birthday discounts or anniversary discounts, they definitely help. Like we've seen with our clients that whenever we give such promotions, we see a lot of uh, returning customers on our website and that definitely increases sales. So like whenever you have different, uh, you know, occasions like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and if you just shoot an email to your existing clientele saying that, you know, you're getting 10% off and if you... Uh, just send them those email or messages and they will come back and purchase if they've liked up a product earlier. I mean, definitely they would come back and purchase it at a lower value. Why not? Right. Um, that's that's super important. Um, and I think two important mistakes, and I've been covering mistakes today a lot, but two things that somebody should really look at while creating promotions. One is the scarcity part of it. There was a research done um, where on a week-long sale promotion, um, about 60% of the purchases happened in the last three hours 
uh, of that one week sale. And there there are several other um, similar researches that have been done. We've, we've tried a bunch again for us uh, testing across uh, a bunch of clients that we've worked with. And one of the um, instances was we um, right around like um, about two hours to, to midnight, you know, talking to one of our clients and um, they had a bunch of extra inventory lying around. Just talked about, hey, can we do a promotion to to make sure that these are taken care of? And just as as a test, we sent out an email to our um, existing customer list, telling them that hey, we've and and we made you know that 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 was a direct email from the founder, kind of saying that hey, we we had some extra stock. Being honest and truthful, if you want to you know get a good deal, here's a discount code. But it ends at midnight. So, so people just had two hours to to act upon that, and uh, the client had been running um, these sales and promos since forever. Usually, they would see about you know two to five percent conversions on emails every time they send it out. Within those two hours, not only did they get rid of their um, extra stock, they actually had to order more because they were able to sell out. Uh, the the entire stuff and the conversion rates there on that email campaign was about 30%. So we've since then, every time we create a sale or we try to run out a promotion, we make sure that we don't make it a week long or or anything more than two days is is a really long promotion unless you've got some sort of a, a cadence where you're nurturing people, telling them that here here's, here's a sale that's about to come up, and then you know tease them and and then take them to the next step. Um, other than that, short sales is is what makes money. Second thing, the most important one is the targeting. We've seen a lot of promotions that are run to cold audiences, somebody who's never seen your ad, never known your brand, never interacted with your brand and seen very average or lower than average results because the brand itself has never made that connection with the uh, you know the uh, audience or the visitor and um we kind of put that down as as in a strategy that does not work. The most or the best returns that ever come uh, are are through your warm audiences, somebody who's interacted on your social media channels, uh, your ads, engaged on your ads, IG posts, stories, and then even more than that, anybody who's already bought from you. So not just you know targeting your your promos. Of course, you'll have some sort of like a, a welcome ten, a welcome fifteen, new customer discounts in there, and people use them. But the use of of those coupon codes it's, is really really high for people who've interacted with your brand but now are on the edge of making a purchase these are warm audiences and then people who have already brought they love your brand that's an extra loyalty for them so who you're targeting with with those promotions is is also really important mikey i i think you've bumped into similar issues with with some clients your thoughts on these yeah, I mean, definitely witnessed before, you know, really taking over clients and seeing how their products and their promotions were working. They're running week long, uh, month long and almost like almost always on promotions. And I think that really waters down the value of their product and what they're selling. So we need to ensure that we maintain the value of our products. So uh, we're not continuing to always be on. Like you said, there needs to be some type of scarcity to these promotions. Uh, users need to feel like there has to be an urge to purchase right now because I may not get this deal again for another six months and I need this product in my life. So obviously within the targeting, the messaging and the combination of the scarcity of that promotion, that's what makes a super effective promotion. Like basically you were explaining, 
happening. But yeah, I've definitely seen um, uh, brands go in the opposite direction and try to have that always on approach and always be cheaper than their uh, competitors. But what their competitors have is value and better brand recognition, which they don't have. Um, and that I think will always win compared to a cheaper, what's perceived to be less a lower quality product just because of that sale. Right. And and I think this also closely ties in with um, the average order value stores where where we've seen, you know, there's, there's always a sale on and people kind of get in a habit of buying that brand at, at a discounted price. And that's what is set in stone for their brand. The quality of the customer is also low. They're not willing to spend more. So all of the future promotions or anything that you do, it kind of caps your your average order values. And then uh, the the efficiency or the ROAS of your marketing, again, is is dropped down. I, I completely agree to you on that, Mikey. The always-on approach, if you're c- kind of trying to become that brand of, you know, just taking that position of being a discounted store, that's, that's fine. But un- if, if that's not your goal, then always on sales are are not the way to grow your revenue or sales. Yeah. And I think that like you were just saying, it touches back to knowing your numbers. So if we're decreasing our average order value, making less revenue per order, so we're used to having 100 orders a month, those 100 orders are now making us a lot less money, which at the end of the day is bringing down our profit margin. So if you're making a sale, you need to ensure that we're driving even more uh, higher conversion rate, even more orders to account for a lower AOV. So again, just knowing your numbers before doing that's important. So reducing costs, one is obviously if you're manufacturing your products in-house, you can, you know, find out ways even even like um, you know, just improving five dollars on a product can make a huge difference, especially if you're doing volumes. Penny saved is a penny earned or probably a dollar. But then if you're if you have suppliers and, and manufacturers that you that, that are building products for you, you can, you know, switch manufacturers, look for better options, kind of push them. Like asking is, is one thing that I see very few businesses do. You can always go back, you know, ask if even if you make those slightest of changes, manufacturing is and, and supply is one part where the game is all about volume. And even if you're saving a dollar on every product, that can be a, a different number when you look at gross margins and gross profits. The second is logistics and supply chain management. Again, looking for vendors that get give you better shipping, give you better rates on your shipping. There are a few vendors that would, you know, have a flat fee. You also have to consider, you know, your the products that you're shipping out. Can they kind of fall into different buckets? So, you know, you could have one vendor that's willing to ship your product for 10 bucks up to maybe, you know, 10 pounds. And then you might have other vendor that's just charging you $15 flat fee for anything that you send. Look at your numbers. That's, that's super important and can save a lot of cost there. Um, and then in terms of packaging, can can you um, you know improve your packaging? People are getting like we've seen businesses that that are getting so creative with their packaging that they are not spending a lot, but still being able to deliver you know that the brand value as well as the packet packaging could itself be you know you don't need maybe you don't need two boxes like a box within a box to really make that impact, but kind of work creatively and and find out ways to reduce costs there. And then in terms of operational support in the background, just as simple as customer service, you might be sitting around, you know, manually sending out emails or responding to customers, uh, probably having a bunch of FAQs put in the chatbot or having like an automated chat on on your website can greatly reduce that time spent and, and hence the money spent. Those are like the very obvious ways of of optimizing one thing that i really want to call out here is a lot of times because 
the brand or the business hasn't worked on these numbers on improving these the margin that's left is probably on like in between or lesser than what we would need as advertisers to run ads profitably or at least get them to a scale where they can make money and acquire customers at the rate they want so if if a brand goes back and kind of makes the slightest tweaks and is able to give you know a little bit of more margin to to themselves as an advertiser we can push even more efficiencies and and acquire a lot of customers because then we get that amount to spend on ads and we can do that profitably it's it's not just that you can put all the weight on marketing to kind of give you the best conversion rates best uh, click through rates and you know the best return on ad spend but a lot of work can be done before you start marketing and that's super important your your thoughts on that mikey yeah, I mean, like we were saying before, in terms of numbers, not just AOV, but everything else that was taking into consideration, lowering those costs are just going to give us some more wiggle room as to how we are breaking even and allows us to also get a little bit more more creative in our in our advertising. We can take a little bit more risk knowing that our break even point is not a 1.6 rows, it's a 1.2 because we're able to bring down manufacturing costs and, and improve efficiencies in the supply chain. So again, this entire ecosystem is all connected. So it's important not just to look at your advertising cost and performance there and optimizations, but there could be back-end optimizations and costs that can actually help your front-end uh, advertising. Absolutely. It Especially after the iOS update that happened, a lot of, of our approach has also pivoted towards creating really good ads, but then also doing a lot of testing. Otherwise, looking prior to that, maybe you thought about a few ads, plug them and some of them worked and it was easier to test. Now it's more dynamic. You have to test more. And that wiggle room that you talked about, it's so much more important for us as advertisers because that's where most of the revenue comes from. If you're able to test properly, find the winners and scale them up, it's it's just more money for the business. So having that enough margin and, and improving on that margin couldn't be a more helpful. Awesome. And then finally, talking about customer retention and lifetime values, uh, probably one of the more ignored areas in, in e-com businesses. Your thoughts on this, Mikey? Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of spoke about customer retention a little bit with, you know, how we want to do that. SMS, uh, we talked about the automation bot that was created um, on IG. I mean, we spoke about that in another podcast. But yeah, I think in terms of customer retention, email and SMS is like one of the best and most profitable platforms that people actually underutilize a ton just because it seems that, you know, it just seems like modern marketing is through uh, Google, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram display ads. But I think simply SMS and email is a great way to retain your customers. You know, if I make a purchase for a particular product, I think it's really important to know if I liked a certain product that I'm get, when there's a sale for that product, when there's a new version of that product coming out, I kind of want to know about that. I want to be kept up to speed. And, you know, a simple text to my phone, I'm opening almost every single text that comes to my phone. So if I'm getting a text message and SMS, I'm most likely going to be opening that and I'm going to be able to see, okay, this brand that I love just came out with a new version or they have a promotion on a product that I've been wanting to buy, but it's a little bit out my price range. So I think those are two really good ways to keep people engaged and to make purchases again, as well as drive uh, those lower funnel uh, users to actually make a purchase. Right. Um, we've, I, I think um, we've seen that almost in all accounts or most of the accounts, especially talking about people who've already bought from you, the most that we'd probably see is like reminder emails of, hey, uh, you know, here's a new promotion, uh, check it out, or there's a sale going on. And that's kind of so underutilized because 
something that we would love to do is you know under Clavio or any even marketing tool that you'll go these tools do a really good job in sorting out and segmenting your customers so you know high value customers who bought from you multiple times within a certain frequency or a certain date range then looking at people who've probably bought from you once and did not come back that's a cohort that you should definitely look at and also try to find reasons of why those people are not coming back usually these are um, you, you would probably see like 40 50 percent of the people in in this list and it's a good activity to to figure out what they bought and why did they not come back and then break them down into you know smaller cohorts and and see if you can you know bring them back with you know better promotions better offer was there some sort of a customer service issue that they did not come back was it the product quality that's one of the most um, ignored things as well where you know we're just assuming customers to come back but then is is there something that's happening in the background not related to your marketing not related to your sales but actually related to your product that's one thing to look at and then there are so many other segments uh, of people who you know come back at at various you know two months or three months mark so there's there's so many creative ways of, of engaging all of those existing customers and also sharing brand stories. It's not always about promotions and telling them about sales, but it's also some something that's happening with the business, some new you know updates, like Mikey said, with, even if it's not the product, even if it's about the company, maybe there's a CSR that they're doing, maybe the company is trying to, you know, uh, you know, help help or drive some sort of local campaigns it's always good to share those stories and in one of our recent projects that we worked on the brand was nominated in in the beauty space there's there's a beauty award and the brand was nominated for that and uh, it was also based on votes so all these brands were reaching out to their to their people you know we saw people posting id stories telling people about you know hey we've been nominated and vote for us this client sent out an email to the existing high value customers say saying the exact same thing but in in an email and putting a no link to vote there and they did vote that's obvious this campaign got a 20 percent conversion rate because people came back and bought anyways from that campaign and it was surprising but it did drive revenue as well. So something to look at, like brands, people get connected to brands and there's a certain amount of loyalty if, you, if they love your product and their values align. So definitely something that uh, should be leveraged even more than uh, what it is being right now. And then uh, plugging in regular loyalty programs, you know, maybe you have some credit points, maybe you have point systems, people accumulating the, those points over time. That could be a, one way of making sure that people keep coming back and buying. Obviously, it also has to tie in closely with what sort of business you're in. If you have a business where people buy products from you recurring or they buy the same product every week or every month, those are really good places where loyalties work. There are some brands that would do, you know, especially drop shipping stores where people just keep bringing in new products every now and then. Loyalty programs don't work so good or I would say not as effective because people are not really sitting around looking at the brand. They just got intrigued seeing an ad on Facebook or IG and they product bought a product there but there's no real brand connect so the loyalty doesn't work there but definitely worth checking out if you if you have your own products and you're trying to build that relation with the customer and then i know the last thing we wanted to speak about here was um ltv so the lifetime uh value of a of a user or purchaser i do actually have like a small story uh, of a success story that we saw in terms of ltv and it, ltv and it kind of actually ties into cro it ties into knowing your numbers, uh, which is super important. So 
for a particular brand um, that we work with, um, they were looking to start up um, a subscription slash loyalty program. Um, and, you know, we were trying to see how we can do that on the site because we were trying to retain users to um, continue to use our product because this product was something that you needed to use for multiple months. So it wasn't something that was worth using for just one month. So what we did was they had a subscription option essentially when you were about to, about to check out. So we made some, you know, conversion, we made some optimizations to the site where if you're going to purchase, there were actually two bubbles, one saying subscription with a lesser price model for the initial first purchase, um, and then continuous purchase throughout the months. And then underneath it was the original just buy now solution. So what we did was essentially change the option from what was just buy now to they were originally put into a subscription model right away. One, it provided us with a, a greater LTV for that user. And two, that user got a discounted price up front. So to them, they saw value in that. Um, so it made them actually want to purchase. That initial revenue that we had seen for the first month had gone down. So our return on ad spend went from 2 to 1.5. And that may be alarming, but at the end of the day, the expected revenue that we're supposed to see will be far greater than that original two row ads that those users may not come back. 100% of those users, you know, were just one-time buyers and maybe 30% will come back. But now with the subscription uh, and learning what our LTV is, which we can get into in a second, um, and how to get that number, we found that 50% of those users were lifetime users now for the next three months at least. So that expected revenue ROAS came in closer to 2.3, 2.4. So at the end of the day, we're actually building up a greater amount of revenue, not initially seen, but expected in the future. I know, Vinay, uh, we were speaking about this before, actually, but there are a number of like very simple Shopify plugins. If you don't use Shopify, you should. Um, it's a great uh, platform and the easiest platform to create your site because there's a number of plugins. So there's a, a number of different plugins to find customer uh, lifetime value. And then you can start to create your loyalty programs once you're able to put together those numbers. Right. It, it's so important you touched on this and, and how it goes back to, you know, making more money, more revenue, more sales in the longer run. A lot of businesses might not have that margin to, uh, you know, scale initially. But if you really know your lifetime value of your customers, you could be acquiring customers at maybe a negative margin and still make money in, in the coming two or three months if you know your stick rates and your lifetime value. And um, even if you are, like, if, if you're willing to take that path and maybe you to, to, you still see lean margins, lean profits, and you're not looking at ROAS like a four or a five on, on acquiring customers, but you know that even if you did one, you would still make a hell of a lot of money in the coming three three months. So that's that's an important decision for the business to to understand and look at the product and the lifetime value and and see marketing as as a, a tool not just to kind of bring in immediate sales but to make the business work over a longer period of time. So no instant gratification there, but then absolute money coming in the longer run. So thank you all for listening and, you know, going through the numbers with us this week. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to either Hamant at digicom.io or Danielle at digicom.io. Those are some emails that, you know, we will respond to you with any questions. And then also feel free to visit our site, uh, digicom.io. We have older podcasts there. We're talking about IG automation. So we can review that podcast if you're interested there, as well as daily, daily blogs, just talking about what's going on in the marketing sphere.
Awesome. And also, if you would want uh, to opt in for a free audit, you'd like us to, to look at your uh, media and, and see if there are any opportunities. We can suggest new strategies. You can visit our Instagram, digicom.io and DM us the keyword free audit. Is that right, Mikey? Yeah, free audit. Yeah, DM us free audit and you will see the bot in action and we will uh, get back to you via email and we'll do an audit of your accounts and get to in-depth analysis back to you and then uh, hop on a call and we can talk about it more. Awesome. That's it for today. Thank you. Thank you.